We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everybody. So before we start today with the VMLB pod, uh, we want to give a shout out or, um, you know, not really condolences, but our best wishes and our prayers to David Ortiz. Uh, he was recently shot uh, in his hometown in the Dominican Republic. Um, doctors say he's in stable condition, but uh, I mean, it's, it's not really known yet. Um, David Ortiz was a Red Sox, great former twins and Red Sox DH slash first baseman. Um, one of the most clutch guys that I've ever seen uh, play. That's for damn sure. Um, a guy that's caused boss some heartache. Uh, that's Big time, sure too. Yeah. Big time, but uh, yeah, I mean David Ortiz. That shouldn't happen to anyone. What happened to David Ortiz in the DR? Like that's just just sad. And and you know the rivalry is is all cool and fun and games on the field. Like you know it's fun to hate him, or you know it's fun to hate the baseball player David Ortiz. But there's a human being aspect to athletes as well, and that's that should never happen to anyone. And like you know it puts it into perspective. So. Definitely best wishes. He's out of surgery, supposedly doing well. Um, and I think they're going to transport him back to the States on a Red Sox plane. They said the Red Sox like sent the player uh, aircraft down there to, you know, take care of all his needs. So mm-hmm. a lot of good news has come since he's been shot, which was two days ago. Now that we're recording. And uh, so, yeah, just, you know, hopefully a speedy and healthy recovery because, you know, things things can always obviously go wrong so hopefully everything went well with surgery and hopefully he's on the right path yeah for sure um for for me did you see the video by any chance of him i saw you actually tweeted it which is like yeah it was was insane like someone really came up and you know tried to execute the guy Uh, lucky man to be alive i'd say yeah for sure i mean someone was guiding that bullet uh that's beyond all of our comprehension and you know uh did that that's 
people don't survive that kind of thing. And if you want to see it, I don't know, you know, these things are, are obviously, you know, for people who can handle the content, but uh, it's, it's a security film and it shows the guy who's doing it. So hopefully he'll come to justice. And uh, David Ortiz is one of the most clutch dudes ever. And one of the, one of the best dudes, uh, one of the ambassadors of the game, one of the nicest guys that you're going to ever meet. And also like when the Boston marathon bombings happened, that really, that really set a tone. You know, he, he set a tone for that city when he came out and he made that speech and everyone loved it. And he'll live in Boston uh, forever and he'll live on earth uh, a little more time because he uh, he survived. So we're happy to hear that. So we just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to David Ortiz, Red Sox legend and uh, future Hall of Famer in my book. So uh, hopefully by the next time we talk, he'll be in full recovery mode. And uh, yeah, so we're going to start our episode right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the VMMLB show. We are back after a week hiatus. You know, life got on the way. I'm here, as usual, with the big boss man himself, Nick DeVito. Yo, yo, what's going on? Tim, I'm going to give you a second to restart that whole thing over because you forgot to drop the yay, yay off the top. Yo, the only- that's a bar, by the way. I, I never forgot, forget the yay, yay, but when I do, I could always count on you to remind me. You ready? <clears throat> yay, yay. There we go. It's more like it. <laughs> we're back, baby. And uh, you know, I was talking. We were talking in the Patreon episode. So we we uh, met up this Sunday. We don't usually meet up on Sundays, but we met up this Sunday all together to do some Patreon episodes. Which, by the way, uh, now that I'm mentioning it, Patreon.com/slash/VeteransMinimum. If you want to support the show, you get two extra episodes a week on top of all the episodes that we already provide you. Uh, plus, you get to be in a Discord with all the guys. Talk to us whenever you want. Um, and a bunch more stuff the higher you go on the list. So um, shout out to the Patreon members already and join the Patreon if you can. But we were just doing the Patreon episode and uh, one of the episodes, uh, do you know, on those we get a little more personal than here. And uh, we're going over our best sports accomplishments. And we're just kind of telling stories from our childhood and things like that. And um, and I, it, I, I got into my my baseball playing days and the walk-off hits that I had and all this stuff. And yo, it, yo, it, it awakened something in me, boss. I can't, I, I've been thinking about playing baseball all fucking day. <laughs> Bro, you got to get in these softball leagues now. That's where it's at for watch the baseball players like ourselves. I know, bro. It's baseball, you know, baseball it gets a bad rap as not being an athletic sport, but I feel like if you're not like young and athletic, it is the highest risk of injury by far of any sport. Baseball, yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I went to watch the UFC fights out Saturday night, and I saw Carlos from ISUIP. Nice. He's like, "Yo, we're getting a, uh, we're trying to get teams in for like a like a super seniors." He's like, yo, we got two teams right now, but even if we just, like, get guys down, just have a game and then barbecue after, I'm like, yo, I do kind of miss that. We used to go down there. You played Super Seniors a couple times. Uh, We made four championships in a row and lost them all. We were the Buffalo Bills of ICYP, bro. Yeah, so that was always a fun time. Like, we just play ball and then usually hang out or do whatnot because it's always the summer, so always nice out. Have some beers after, so, yeah, that was a good time. It would be fun to get that going again. Carlos is a good dude, man. He he was always – when we got to that age, you know, everyone gets to that age where if you're not great at baseball, then all of a sudden it's it's like 
it's not cool to take baseball seriously and everyone kind of nah, like, nah, he always brought it and he always made sure his teams brought it i always appreciated that because i was kind of the same way yeah for sure for sure like who wants to just show up to the to the game and not play for real i'm trying to play for real bro what, what are you saving it for the major get the fuck out of here it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot like that too because like i said we'd grill after so some people would just come down and drink in the dugout and if you were drinking in the dugout he'd get tired he'd let you know like yo chill like wait like Put that shit down till after, bro. Like, let's play this fucking game. And he's yeah, right. I mean, he was right. So it's always a fun time. Facts, facts. You ready for this transition, boss? I'm about to blow your mind. You ready for this? Yeah, just yeah. like, <laughs> just like our old asses have to transition from the minor. I mean, from baseball. Damn, I fucked it up. From baseball to softball. The first thing we want to get into today is some young players who have the opportunity to raise their game, go from the minor leagues to the majors this season, or people that are already in there and have a few at-bats already that could have big impacts on the league, not only kind of in the definitely in the pennant races, but also this is what you're going to want to listen to if you're a fantasy football uh, baseball player because the thing that puts you over the top in fantasy baseball is if you could pick up the prospects a week before they get called up or if you're in on the prospects before they are good. So uh, this will help you with that. Oh, the thing that got us thinking about it, uh, Jordan Alvarez, I don't, does, he, does he call himself Jordan or Jordan? <laughs> I think it's Jordan. Jordan. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, uh, he homered yesterday, Astros number three prospect. Um, he obviously has a chance to make a giant impact. Boss, we got a couple guys that we want to tell the people about. What's one guy for you uh, right now, the over right off the bat, a guy that you're looking at to make a big impact in the upcoming months? I'm going to go Luis Urias uh, of the Padres. I know he came up. He's been a big-time prospect for them. He, last year, he came up at 21, and he kind of disappointed. Only hit 208, and they sent him back down. But this year, in AAA, he's just raking again. Um, he's hitting 353. He's got power now. He already has his most career home runs in any season with 14. So he's doing big things on the farm right now. And there's really nothing left for him to do down there because he's already like he's known to have a glove. Um, so like the only thing that was questionable was his hitting at the major league level. And whatever adjustment he's made from last year to this year is really paying off because the extra base hits are there. He has four triples, four 13 doubles. So he's doing big things in the middle of the order in AAA, and it's only a matter of time before he gets called up because the Padres, have, they're like, you know, they've been hovering 500 for a while now. And if you look at the division, it's a wrap already, kind of, because the Dodgers are already double-digit games up. Um, but they're right there for a wild-card spot. And they went out and spent money. They're getting contributions from the rotation from guys like Chris Paddock, who's having a Rookie of the Year type season. And um, Eddie Lauer is having a good year. So they're getting contributions where I didn't think they would going into the season. I remember if you go back to the preview, I said their pitching would prevent them from competing this year. But they're 500, and they need something to, like, give them a boost going into the summer. And he could be that guy because right now you have Kinsler at second who's hitting 200 or below 200. And ultimately, he's just a placeholder for Urias. And Greg Garcia, who's a 29-year-old guy who's hitting 250. So... There's nothing there at second base right now. Urias himself in the. So there's reports that he'll be up on the end of the month, and he should be. And he can come in right away and help them contribute. So I'm expecting him to do big things and come back from, you know, an early, slow start to his major league career. 
Yeah, there's there's a definite need there as well, which is always the the thing. If you got a top prospect in the minor leagues, he's ready to come up. That's fine. But do you have space for him uh, on the team? And do you have space for him to contribute right away? And the guy that I'm thinking about right away, and this is a guy who has already come up and contributed, Keston, uh, the lucky Brewers, the second baseman. Now, if you're, if you're a Brewers fan, right, and you were seeing what are the question marks going into the season, uh, what are some things I have to worry about, Travis Shaw is probably not a guy that you thought you'd have to worry about. Travis Shaw, although he never was really a superstar, lit the world on fire, has been an excellent addition to that squad ever since he came over from the Red Sox. And he's been someone that they could count on for middle of the line of production over and over again. This year, he absolutely sucks. Uh, it just happens to be that their number one prospect, their ninth pick overall in 2017 draft, was ready to come up. And Huara really has... Uh, has impressed since he's been here five home runs already and only 60 plus at bats but let's go a little back further um he played for uh, uc irvine and he had three seasons in his junior season his last season he hit 442 with 24 doubles eight home runs and 42 rbis last year in in advanced a ball 327 home runs 23 rbis in 50 games in triple a uh three 345, 12 home runs, 29 RBI. So every single uh, place that this guy has gone, he's raked, and nothing has changed. Uh, he has 69 plate appearances. Uh, he has 18 hits in those plate appearances, five home runs and a double, 18 hits to a 281 batting average. He does. He has struck out 23 times, which is a little ridiculous, but you you really get that from a guy that's super young like this. This is a guy who can get in the lineup and make a real impact for a team that now that the Cubs have gotten uh, Craig Krimble, which we're going to talk about in a little while, now that they got him, it's a, it's, it's going to be a tight race at the top. And you can't forget about the Cardinals who are always in it. You can't forget about the Pirates who have a surprise MVP candidate in Josh Bell. It's just like now that hole in the Brewers lineup could be something that's even more of a positive than before. Yeah, for sure. And he was solid when he came up. They kind of like unexplainably sent him back down, which was a little weird. Because like you said, like Travis Shaw has just been a dud. And I feel like when you have a young prospect who's who's polished as he is, like like you said, he played three years in college. Like, well, there's nothing more for him to accomplish in the minors. Like, this dude should be contributing to your everyday lineup. He makes you better. He's an upgrade from Travis Shaw right now. So he was playing well. Why not just leave him in there? But... What can you do? I mean, I think this is definitely a situation we'll hear, but yeah, he'll be back up. You don't know. There's a lot of inner workings with these teams, a lot of politics. Um, Right. You know, so I I have no doubt that he'll be back up. He's going to be one of those guys. They're probably, would he be able to find regular at bats with Travis Shaw back in the lineup? You don't want to give up on Shaw after, after two months. Now he's been extremely bad and it's only been getting worse. Um, So maybe this risk that he just got off the IL four has something that can, can be a little better, but you wonder if there was going to be every day at bats for him. Maybe he goes down to the minors, stays in rhythm, stays with every day at bats, and then once they're ready, they call him back up again. That's that's probably what's going to happen. Right, right, for sure. Uh, boss, who else are you thinking? Uh, I'm looking at Dylan Cease. It's like the trade that keeps on giving. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is kind of off to a slow start. This is the Jose Quintana trade for um, for White Sox. That when he went to the Cubs, yeah, for yep. the White Sox. So. Eloy's kind of off to a slow start, but he's, you know, Eloy is a highly touted prospect, so I'm sure he's going to figure it out eventually. But the White Sox are kind of, I see them anyway, in similar shape to the Padres, where they have the bats already. They have 
Jose Abreu, who's killing. They have Tim Anderson, who's having a big year for them. Yohan Moncada has really bounced back in a nice way this year from his top prospect form. So the only thing missing really is the pitching, and Giolito is having a monster year for them. So that's finally something nice because they traded – he was once the number one prospect or number one pitching prospect anyway. Yo, can I, can I just say something real quick just cutting you off about Lucas Giolito? He's another one of those fucking guys that I was a year early on, man. Remember yeah. last year in the preview, I was all about him and the White Sox having a chance, and here he is as an ace, and the White Sox have a chance a year early, all the fucking time. Sorry for cutting you off. Nah, it's all good because even last year, everyone was like, yo, did the Nationals know something about Giolito to, like, to give him up for just like a player of Adam Eaton? But maybe not. Maybe he just needed some time to you know groom himself, and he's really lights out. Like His last month has just been ridiculous. He has like a one, like I think a sub one. He already has last seven starts. So, yeah, but uh, Dylan Cease is someone I want to see them call up. He's kind of just – he started off really slow this year in AAA. Um, this is his first season up in AAA. And since then, he's kind of put it together. He went seven innings in his most recent start, giving up two runs. And uh, they have some pieces. They have Giolito. They have Michael Kopech, who's a flamethrower, who was injured this year, uh, had Tommy John surgery. And they have Dylan Cease. So, that's a nice one, two, three going forward into next year. And for a team that's probably not going to – or a team that's going to miss the playoffs this year, C should be coming up really any day now um, or any week now, I should say, before July. Just get this guy his some time because if you go into next year with these guys having major league experience, that's I think that's a big plus on uh, a division where we're seeing where it's a crapshoot. Like the Twins really took off this year with a power surge. The Indians have fell off. They've been ruled with injuries, but they're a 500 team right now, and they're expected to lose Lindor within the coming years. And the Royals are behind the White Sox in terms of progression, and the Tigers are behind the White Sox. So they're, the window is wide open for the White Sox to compete. So if I'm them, I'm getting these guys major league experience as soon as possible, and then in a, a year or two, I'm looking to compete for this division and really make a push. So I'm calling up Dylan Cease. He's ready. He's been dominant the last month or so, and the White Sox, if you look at it, just aren't competing. Yeah, I mean, again, if they are – if you're talking about a spot open for a guy to succeed, the White Sox have that spot. Another another team that could use some pitching help um, is the Pirates because they are in – like I said, they're in a division where you're going to need all the help you can get. And they have a prospect named Mitch Keller that has – come up and gotten completely shelled for a 13.5 ERA and four innings pitched. But he had seven strikeouts, and he really uh, flashed the stuff that made him the number 12 prospect overall, according to Baseball America last year. Um, Really electric stuff and can fit into a Pirates lineup that's – I mean a Pirates rotation that's going to need uh, reinforcements uh, going into this NL Central race. When you look at this NL Central race – Right, you have the Cubs who just made a big acquisition. You have the Brewers who we just talked about have a number one prospect on the rise. The Cardinals have been hot at times, so you have to you have to get as many I don't know chips to play as you can. And I think Mitch Keller is one of those chips that the Pirates can play. Uh, he has electric stuff. Uh, they love him in the organization. So. I mean, the Baseball America 12th prospect overall, not in the not in the organization overall. I think you see Mitch Keller have some success going forward. Yeah, he definitely has, like like you said, this, 
the spot to shine because Jameson Tyone, who's out through probably the All-Star break, so he's about a month and a half or maybe two months away, and they could use some some help because Archer's been struggling big time there. Jordan Lyles has kind of fallen off, so if he can come up and step up big, that, that would keep them around competing for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Boss, who is your uh, who's another guy that you want to see come up? Um, Forrest Whitley would be cool. I mean, he's the top prospect pitching-wise, but he's off to a, a really slow start in AAA for the Astros. Um, the Astros, you know what they're pitching. It's Garrett Cole, you know, who's leading the league in strikeouts this year. Justin Verlander, that one-two punch alone is just lights out. Peacock is having a great year for them. McCullough's on the shelf. That's why coming into this year, I thought um, – Forrest Whitley would be, you know, almost – I thought he would make the opening – or could make the opening day roster due to McCullers' injury, like in a panic kind of move. But they decided to keep him down, and and he's kind of struggling. Could have been a knock to his confidence. Like, you know, that happens with young players. Like, damn, I didn't make the roster. Now I got to go back to the farm where I've kind of been and kind of dominated for a while now. And it's kind of seemed that way since the jump of the season. He struggled. But I think if he gets his chance in the major league level, like he has the stuff – it's just putting it together and a confidence thing. So I could see him contributing uh, down the stretch run for the Astros. Maybe not immediately, but like, you know, August, the dog days of summer, where you say when starters are tired and they need an extra day, I could see him coming up in August and really giving that, that rotation a boost. Speaking of rotation boosts, um, I think one one thing that we are seeing is definitely a, a pitching theme here. And, my pitching theme is gonna is gonna continue I, just because I kind of want to see this guy. This is straight up, like, s- completely selfish. So he plays for the Marlins, so he's not gonna be in a race. But I want to see Zach Gallon come up now. If you don't know who Zach Gallon is, he plays in the Pacific Coast League. He's a right-handed pitcher. He plays for the New Orleans Baby Cakes, probably one of the best um, <laughs> names in all of baseball. If you guys don't follow minor league baseball, there's been a new shift in minor league baseball to. Um, change a lot of names and change a lot of names with fan votes. So getting more and more ridiculous every single day. Um, the Orleans baby cakes is just one of those names, but he is completely dominating the PCL. Listen to this. He's already won pitcher of the week honors three times already this season. He's it's the first time a pitcher has received that more than 3 times in a row since the PCL expanded to 16 teams in 1998. The reason why that is, listen to these stats on the season. He is 8 and 1, right? In 13 starts. He leads the minors in strikeouts with 104. He leads the minors in innings pitched with 86. That's right, you heard 104 strikeouts in 86 innings. He leads the minors in average against 150. He leads the, leads the minors in whip in addition he leads the league in ERA 1.50 are you kidding me it is time to get this guy up uh he 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 needs to be up here he he was he's part of that uh that Marcel Ozuna trade which I'm look I'm sure the Cardinals don't want it back but uh the reason why you trade Marcel Ozuna for a haul like this is so that they start developing and developing, and Zach Gallen is one of those pitchers who's who's developing quite nicely. So if he can come up, all of a sudden that makes that Miami Marlins team, which is very bad, but I think is not playing as bad baseball as I thought they would be playing 
uh, up until this point. They actually have some kind of exciting things going on here and there. Uh, not like the team that I thought was going to win 50 games tops uh, going into the season. So, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him come up because if his stuff is as electric as it sounds, he's going to be fun to watch. Bro, a .7 whip for a starter is truly bonkers. Yeah, that's uh, that's unhuman. Yeah. It, no matter what level you're playing in, if you have a point exactly. with, you're absolutely, completely, and utterly dominating. Um, speaking about absolutely and completely and utterly dominating, yo, my transitions are fire today. <laughs> Peep the uh, adjectives, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> the next one that we're going to is, I mean, the big story in Major League Baseball this week. Um, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell. Both have found new homes. I actually said, yo, Craig Kimbrell is OD a tongue twister for me. Like ever since I was a little kid, and I'm I'm a Mets fan, so I had to face him. I had to watch him at least face my team a lot, especially during uh during the early 2000, like the late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, he would just murder us, and I could never say his name. It would frustrate me beyond the fact that he's already shutting us down every time he pitches. Um. But let's talk about the two guys. Let's talk about Keiko first. Um, boss, what are you, your initial reactions on Dallas Keiko? He lands with the Atlanta Braves on a one-year deal. It's like it's a $20 million deal, but it's prorated to $13 million. So um, what do you think? Is this a good move for the Atlanta Braves? And how do you think this makes him a contender in the NL East? Yeah, I mean, they're in first place right now. I kind of thought it was weird that he'd take a four-year – I mean, not a four-year, a one-year deal. Uh, Dallas Keuchel because he's kind of betting on himself here, especially you know he's he's missed already two months of the season. He's gonna need extended extended spring and all that. Um, so I feel like the the chance of injuries for him anyway is like bigger than we ex- than we may think. And to take a one year contract um, in a in a shortened season where you you know you don't have the whole the Benefit of spring training, all that is kind of bizarre to me, especially when he had a four-year offer, or was rumored a four-year offer from the Padres in the off-season. But uh, the thing was for him, he wanted to go to a competitive team, and, and the Braves are certainly that. Uh, they have some good young pitching. So Roca has been one of the best young pitchers in baseball, but they also have question marks like Fulton Avich has been kind of suspect for them. So I like the Dallas Keuchel signing for them. I think the timing is perfect for them. It's a depth. Kind of not it's more than a death piece, but they needed starting pitching, and he can help that right away. Now, the question is, what kind of form is he in? I know Scott Boris has said, you know, he's ready to go. He's been throwing simulated games since you know April on every you know five days or whatever it is. But simulated games and actually getting in there with you know MLB type talent is a much different thing. So, I love the pickup for the Braves, especially in the NL East, where it was kind of. Up for grabs. Not up for grabs. I mean, the Phillies are pushing up their tail. And the Mets are lurking. The Mets haven't figured anything out yet, and they're still at 500, which is, you know, I guess impressive in, its, in, a, in a way. They should be playing much better baseball, and it, they could once some return. So to pick up Keiko for the Braves is just like – it's a move saying we're here to stay. They won the division last year, and they want to – they have the talent and the bats – to do it again this year. So to add a pitching piece like Keiko, I think it's big. Yeah, I, I agree. I think more than even his effect on the field, I think that his effect in the clubhouse might be felt. If you think about the Braves pitching staff, right? You got Mike Soroka, you got Bryce Wilson, you got Colby Allard, all 21 years old. 
right? Then Tucson and Kyle Wright are 23 years old. Max Fried is 25 years old. Sean Newcomb is 26. Mike Fultonavich is 27. Julio Tehran is 28. That means the the guy who is the most senior person in the entire staff is 28 years old. And he's Julio Tehran, which is, you know, he's he's had success in the past, but he's no leader. Uh, he's 31. He has a Cy Young under his belt. He has a World Series ring under his belt. This is the type of guy you put in the clubhouse like the Atlanta Braves and watch him have unbelievable success, not only on the field, because that's always a toss-up, but for the young kids who need some guidance. And I think that's why it's such a great deal. If you're the Braves, you're getting him on a one-year deal. And shout-out to the Braves' front office, who probably this year should win some kind of award because they've been getting these values uh, everywhere you look. The fact that they got Keiko for $13 million in this market, yes, it's for a one-year deal, but you now solidify something. And on top of that, they signed their two young players to massive long-term deals that are super team-friendly. So uh, it's they, they deserve a shout-out for sure. Another thing that you don't really think about, Brian McCann was his battery mate. Uh, in Houston, he comes over and Brian McCann is here again. So that's a little familiarity that'll help him transition. Um, the Braves had a four, uh, 4.38 league uh, rotation ERA this year. That's 17th in the league. Most important, he goes innings. 20 of his 34 starts last year were quality starts. 13, 23 of those starts, he went at least six innings. So that is important for a bullpen who's 14th in the league for a 4.25 ERA in that bullpen to extend them a little bit. So all around, I think this is a positive deal for the Braves because at worst comes to worst and he sucks. What are you really losing? You're not really losing anything, especially because you have so many possible starters uh, in the chamber. So I really like this move for the Braves. I think it's a home run. Yeah, for sure. And it's only one year. Like you said, it's like a win-win. Someone who didn't get a one-year deal, Craig Kimbrell, he not only didn't get a one-year deal, he got a three-year deal. So it's it's a little interesting. Like they didn't want him two months ago for three years, but they want him now. It, it, it definitely, and a lot of the media outlets have been covering this because when you when this comes to attention, people you know take notice. It really you know highlights how stupid uh, the players were when they negotiated this part of the CBA. Something that Dallas Keuchel himself said that oh, yeah. you know. It's our fault. We did not negotiate well enough to get this out, and we're affecting ourselves with these draft picks, especially because I think when the CBA was signed, the the game was different. The game wasn't, we want the young kids to play right now. You see in all sports uh, a tendency to shift towards younger players um, uh, across all sports, and in baseball where that's so uh, not only not done but frowned upon for so long, um, it's interesting to see. But anyway... uh, I'll go into the numbers for a bit, but I just want to go beyond the numbers again. When you add a guy like Kimbrell, you bring confidence to a squad that's an actual real contender for a World Series. Uh, When he signed, they found out Kyle Schwarber was in the outfield, and he did that hanging hand thing, and the entire left field dugout went absolutely (laughs) crazy. David Bodie hit a three-run home run, and he said at the end of the game it, it was really because of the adrenaline rush that he got because of the signing of Kimbrell. And if you look at the numbers, the Cubs are tied for first place somehow, even though they've blown 12 of 26 save opportunities this season. That's remarkable. And when you put a guy like Kimbrell, who's been historically dominant, um, that's something you want. And, uh, you know, Kimbrell wanted to go to a place where he was going to close. He got that. He wanted to sell out. Uh, every game because he lives off the adrenaline. He got that. He wanted a contender. He got that. And there's no one standing in his way because Pedro uh, Strope, he was closing games 
they asked him how he feels about this, he wouldn't even, he doesn't even want to be the closer. As crazy as that sounds, he was like, yo, I, I signed the big deal uh, to be here as the setup man. I'm comfortable getting holes. I'm comfortable as the setup man, and I want to be the setup man. And I'll, I'm happy to to let it go to Kimbrell. He's better than me, and I look forward to learning from him. And that's a, a big, mature thing for Pedro Strope and uh, what he can do. So shout out to him. Uh, I think, again, he's going to join the team in two weeks. He's not as ready as Dallas Keuchel, I guess, um, but he's supposed to – uh, join the team right in time to play the Boston in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be a little interesting to see. So uh, yeah, I, I think two money signings, the fact that these guys weren't on a team for so long is ridiculous. And uh, I'm happy to see them land somewhere. Yeah, I agree. I think Kimbrell's going to fit in seamlessly. I mean, like you said, Strope, he gave up a run the other day too. They were playing, I think the Cardinals. So he's kind of been shaky in the ninth inning. In the ninth inning, like, like you said, like you was happy going back to anything. Yo, the ninth inning is a different animal, man. Like those last three outs is a different sort of pressure, particularly in a safe situation. Like there's a ton of stress on you. And to bring in Kimbrel is definitely a shot in the arm for the Cubs. Um, it's it's kind of reminiscent of when they bought in Aroldis Chapman a couple of years ago from the Yankees to be that ninth inning guy, which they were lacking then. I know they have uh, Brendan Morrow, too, who's on the 60-day, who was closing games for them last year. Who was pretty? Who was doing really well at it? But if you have a chance, particularly the Cubs, like where it's kind of suspect without Morrow, to go out and get a, a, an elite closer, especially come October, like yo, that's big time, and you got to do it. And I know people were worried last year because Kimbrel struggled a bit in the postseason, right? He was walking guys, he had control issues, but he's still Craig Kimbrel. And if you bring that man in in any sort of situation, he's ready to go. He'll give you multiple innings in the postseason, and he's been dominant for so long. So why not? I think it's it's a great addition for the Astros. Like you said, a team that has blown leads uh, late in games, particularly safe situations. So that'll ha- happen a lot less frequently now that he's uh, closing games out for them. Uh, to be fair, that there is a little bit of a concern because his walks did go up tremendously last year. His right. his walks to K's ratio kind of stayed the same because he K'd so many guys. But one of the reasons why that happened is because he changed his arm angle. So it's going to be interesting to see um, with him if that continues. Uh, so that is one thing to worry about for sure. But besides that, uh, money moves here. Uh, his former team... It's having a little issues, the Red Sox, not playing nearly as good as people thought they were going to. And one of the reasons is Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is not playing well. He's 10 for his last 52, 5 for his last 26. During that time, he's only he's had two home runs, but those are his only extra base hits during that time. He's batting 236 from a month. This, this is a guy that we're not used to seeing the numbers 2, 3, and 6 configured in this way. When you're talking about his batting average, maybe 326, maybe 362, but not 236. That's for sure. Um, Boss, do you think the him turning down the Red Sox extension is probably weighing on him right now? Yeah, he. I think it could be, man, because he was offered supposedly mega dollars, like when Trout signed in the off season, and Bryce signed, and Machado signed. All those big numbers being handed out. Betts is right up there in that class of players when he's going well. And we saw it last year when he was an MVP. So it could be weighing on him. I know going into the season, it was kind of a big deal in Boston. We're like, yo, does he want to stay here? Is it like Jacoby Ellsbury again where he, you know, he left, he bolted on us. Like 
the uncertainty kind of weighed on Boston fans, and they kind of, I'm not going to say gave him shit, but it was like, yo, what's going on here? Like, why doesn't this dude want to sign with us? He's going to be 28 when he's a free agent in two years at the end of the 2020 season. So he's going to be right smack in the middle of his prime. And you know he's looking, like I said, at those monster dollars. So for him to turn that down now and still being paid on the low, it could be weighing on him, man. I, I really think so. I know they've tried to move him around in the lineup. Uh, Cora put him back in the leadoff spot where he was all last year, and that still hasn't jump-started him. So I don't really know what's going on with Mookie Betts. He's, his swing just looks off right now. Uh, watch him when they play the Yankees. Like He's lunging. He's trying to pull, it seems like, a lot more than he was last year where he'd, where he'd go the other way. Um, so that hurts, man. When you're pulling off pitches, it shows, and you're gro- you start grounding um, a lot of balls into the dirt to the left side instead of going the other way with them. Um, so, yeah, he's struggling big time, and, and that's part of the reason why the Red Sox are a couple games over five hundred. Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what the uh, – do you have the numbers, the extension off the top of your head that they offered? Nah, but they said it was significant. I think it was less than 400, but like in the 300, 330 range. Do you think there's a chance that he was insulted by it? I don't know. Yo, it's that to, to turn that down and bet on yourself, it's, especially that large of a figure, is kind of wild. I mean, maybe he thinks he can just get more because of the way contracts are going these days. Like, they just keep going up and up, so – and in a sense, like, I don't blame him. But if it were me, I would have taken the security of knowing I have 300-plus mil coming my way for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Said something somewhere along the lines of the Trout deal, kind of. Well, Trout got $35 million a year. So they, they weren't going to give him that. But they said somewhere around that. Right, and um, you know, Tim, like we we see talk about it in football where it's always like, yo, the next man got to get paid. So, like Kirk Cousins got all that guaranteed money. Like next man up is typically making the most. We saw it this all season, right? The first three, well, actually, Stanton was the first three hundred mil player, but both those guys got three hundred, and then Harper got three thirty. So maybe he just thinks like, yo, the market's going to go up and it's going to play in his favor, and he's he's going to wait it out. Joel Sherman said that he got an eight year, two hundred million dollar offer from the. From the Red Sox, which is almost, I mean, if you're looking at these other contracts, that's almost insulting because, I mean, can he be, Jason Stark said that an American League executive said Mookie Betts might be the first ever $500 million player, but that's what we've heard that before. We've heard that about Mike Trout. We've heard that about Bryce Harper. We've heard that about Manny Machado and none of it really came to fruition. Do you think Mookie Betts is the first $500 million player in two years? I hope not because it, it, Trout deserves to be the most highest paid player in the game. So it should stay that way. But, yo, Mookie's no slouch. He should be right up there with, with those guys, like you said. Hmm. It's an inter- it's an interesting dynamic. It's an in- interesting question, that's for sure. Um, let's move on now to some uh, less numbery stuff and more kind of just like uh, news and notes uh, from around the league and our opinions on it. Uh, interesting thing happened in the minor league. I want to get your opinion on it, boss. Uh, at the end of the week, a double-A player, his name is Mike Lipka. He's on the Yankees minor league te- uh, team. He busted up a no-hitter by bunting in a 3 nothing game. Are you okay with this, or is this foul? Yo, this dude received death threats, bro, which is kind of crazy. Like, it's a, like, he plays for the Trenton Thunder in double-A. And, I mean, yo, in a 3 nothing game in the ninth inning, I... 
this is a situation where I wouldn't be mad. Like, if I'm the starting pitcher, I'm probably pissed. But keep in mind, this no-hitter was a combined no-hitter. The starter only went six innings. So I think it was blown out of proportion in this instance. The bunt, because, yo, the starter wasn't going the distance. And at that point, you're tr- you're still trying to win the game. Like, yo, 3 nothing is completely manageable. It's a safe situation. So if you can get on to start an inning, because he bunted in the ninth inning, in the last inning, Yo, I think you get on by any any way possible. And to bunt your way on in a no-hitter situation and it wound up being the only hit, like, yo, why not? Like, I, I'm not mad at that. To receive death threats over that, like, that shit is crazy. If it was 11 nothing and they were throwing a combined no-hitter and he bunted, I'd be furious. But in a 3 nothing game where you bring the tying run into the on-deck circle... How can you possibly be mad at that? Like, he's going out and trying to win a game for his team. He doesn't care that the other team is throwing a no-hitter. I That's how I feel about that. And I'm old yeah. school, but I in a close game, nah, bro. You got to you gotta do what you got to do to get on. I feel like, honestly, man, I, I've been back and forth on this all day. Because when the question was posed, I'm like, all right, which way am I going? Um, I had to think about this. And, you know, I think it's situational, just like anything in baseball. Like, I continue to get shit about saying that I would hit a batter um, on Twitter. They, they love to kill me on Twitter about that I said that. And I stand by it. But it's situational. Like, we're going to talk about Madison Bumgarner a little bit. If I'm Madison Bumgarner, I might hit Max Monkey, Munchie. But I'm not trying to hit him. But I, uh, anyway, I'll get to that in a little bit. In, in this in this instance, man, all right, so you're down 3 nothing, right? And like you said, if you if you bunt on and you get on, not only are you on base and you bring the tying run onto the on-deck circle, you also are frustrating the shit out of the other team, right? If a team has no hitters and then you bunt on, they're going to be mad. They're going to play mad. They're going to play. And when you play mad, you play stupid. Right. Um, I think that's something that our coaches have taught us throughout our lives and that it definitely rings true. If you play mad, you play stupid. You shouldn't play with emotion. So... If you do play with that emotion, if you do play with that, with that, um, that you might lose, and it just makes more sense. On the other hand, if you're just bunting to break up a no hitter, you should receive some death threats. Like I, I, that's a little bit harsh, but like I, I'm coming for you next at bat, and I might come for your teammate. Like if you are literally only doing this just to take history away from me because you can't handle being on the wrong end of it, that's a problem. But if you're trying to get on base against a closer in the ninth inning in a 3 nothing game where you have a shot, it's a little bit of a different case. So it's definitely, um, I don't know, dependent on the situation, I would say. But, I mean, I, I think I lean towards don't bunt in these situations just because it's kind of corny. Like, it's just a little bit corny. Right. I can understand that. But, you know, I don't know. If I'm the starting pitcher and I'm on the other side, I'm probably furious, but I'm probably like, yo, they do have a chance to win. After the fact, I'm thinking this. In the middle of the game, I'm probably, yo, fuck this guy. But after the fact, it's like, yo, ultimately, they had a chance to win. He both time was on, on deck circle. He's doing what's best for his team to win. So I can't get mad, yo. I can't get mad. I think a death threat for, in that situation is a little crazy. Um, but like you said, it's situational. If it was 11 nothing and he did that, I'd fucking I'd throw a pick off and make sure I beamed him. Facts. Tell, tell my first baseman to, like, yo, let it go. <laughs> I'm beating Facts. this dude. Facts. Like, yo, there, there's it's, it's respect, right? It's kind of like when in basketball, 
uh, a guy's going for a triple double and then he throws the ball off his own rim and catches it. Like, right. that's not, that's, you're ruining the integrity of the game then. I feel like if you bunt for a base hit and break up a no hitter and that's the only hit in like a seven nothing game, like you were talking about, you're ruining the integrity of the game itself. You're not just, it's not a personal thing anymore. It's the game itself. And when you're playing the game, you got to have respect for the game. And that, that's how I feel. That's how it always felt. Surely I agree with you. Um, finally, our last uh, piece of information on the docket here, something, again, that p- people loved killing me on Twitter this morning about. Um, Madison Baumgartner gets taken not only deep, but deep by Max Muncy. <laughs> uh, he goes into the water. Uh, Barry Bonds style. Yes, McCovey Cove. Uh, remember when going into McCovey Cove was like a regular occurrence when Barry Bonds was there? And then all of a sudden, yeah. Barry Bonds retires, and you don't really hear the name McCovey Cove anymore. Uh, but Max Munchie went there, and at Munchie, I'm sorry, and when he was rallying the bases in Bumgarner, which who has done this in the past, like he likes to get to people who pimp out their home runs. He stood there, he looked at it for a second. Um, after the game, they asked Muncie, uh, what did you guys say to each other? Muncie kind of gave him a little like, come on, come get me, dog. Like he was talking. He waved at him like, yo, come get me. If you want to come get some. He said uh, he said that Madison Baumgartner said, stop stop looking at the pitch and run. Um, and then Muncie responded with, if you want me to stop looking at the pitch, then go fish it out of the, the water. Um, so already bad blood in the Giants-Dodgers uh, rivalry. That's That rivalry is known to uh, – take the lives of fans at a certain point unfortunately like that's how intense that rivalry gets and this just kind of adds that it adds to that um what do you think boss like what do you think of the whole situation do you, do you think that Bumgarner's being a little bit of a bait back bitch yeah i mean i don't know he's done it before i feel like he's all bark no bite because he's done i think he had, he had he had issues with puig uh same same thing kind of and muncie yo not for nothing like in the era of the bat flip like that Muncy pimp job was not much. Like he, yeah, he just stared at it. Yeah, it wasn't. The, it wasn't like Derek Dietrich earlier this year who stood there and fucking did the Ric Flair walk down the first baseline and stared at it. Like it was kind of mild, bro. He just dropped the bat, like stood it on its head and dropped it and started jogging. And not I, for nothing, he fucking launched it a, a mile and a half. Like, bro, if you're gonna pimp I, out a home run, pimp out that one. If I hit one into McCovey Cove, I'm watching that one go. Hell yeah. Hell so, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't have a problem either. I thought both of them handled it pretty well. I saw, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Tim. Uh, you remember Jeremy Affeld? He pitched for the Giants yeah. for a little bit, the reliever. And Aubrey Huff, obviously, he's journeyman. Yep. They were uh, defending Mad Bum. They're like, yo, Muncie wanted no parts of him. He's country strong, blah, blah, blah. Like, you would have messed him up, you know, because he was waving him on, like you said. But I don't know. I think Mad Bum had a right to be upset. But, you know, he, he, Handled the right way. He didn't really do anything about it. He stayed in the game. He obviously didn't charge Muncie and take on that, you know, that instigating type tactic of, yo, come at me, bro. Because um, they needed him and you need your ace. So obviously unselfish uh, not to go after him because they needed him. They lost one nothing, and that was the only run scored that game was the Muncie home run. So um, I thought both parties handled it well. It's it's baseball. Like you said, emotions run high. We just talked about this and about the bunt. Um so, yeah, he didn't do anything crazy after that either, Mad Bum. Um, I think it was just heat of the moment thing where you get taken deep, you're obviously frustrated. You didn't want to make that pitch. Um, guy takes you deep, watches it. You, you could say something to him. Uh, make sure you know you didn't like that, and that's it. Look, Madison Bumgarner, you've made 
so many people, so many people scared when you yell at them as they go up the first baseline. People cower. You are country strong. But Mac, Max Muncy, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Muncy, he's not one of those guys. He's just as big. Maybe not as tall, but he's a he's a stocky fella. He, he, hits, the ball, he hits the ball into McCovey Cove. That's a man with power. And when someone your size and who could take you down actually says, come on, bring it. Don't just talk. Be about it. Don't just talk about it. What did you do? You hit behind an umpire. Did you hit the next guy? No. Don't just talk about it, bro. Be about it. Like, all these people saying, like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, there's this or that, this and that. Yo, if you're going to talk shit, back up your shit. And if you're going to have a problem with it, do something about it. If not, then Bow your head and shut the fuck up and take it like a man. Just like people have to take you and your fist pump and yell when you have a big strikeout. Like Madison Bumgarner, how many times have you seen Madison Bumgarner still pictures of him just yelling um, and, and fist pumping? He does it all the time. And people don't get angry at him for doing it. And if you're going to start the problem, you got to finish it. Like Roger Clemens, you can throw a bat at Mike Piazza. Fucking charge Mike Piazza, bro. What are you doing over there? St- standing behind everyone. Do your thing. Make it happen. It's the same exact thing here. If you're going to talk to Max Muncy and you're going to take a chance that he was going to talk back, he talked back. He said, come and bring it, and you didn't bring it. That's that's whole actions. It's whole Damn, action. bro. Honestly, I highly disagree with you on that, bro. If you're the ace of your staff, you know that your team needs you more than they need their third baseman, Max Muncy, or wherever he plays. Not he plays out. all over the place. Facts, but you know what? If that's the case, though, if you're so concerned with your team, then don't even – entertain the notion of talking shit in the first place like don't say i'm gonna fuck you up if you do that again and then he's like all right come fuck me up and you don't do nothing like either shut up or don't but you can't be halfway it can't be half and half yo if someone took me to mccovey cove and pimped it out i'd be pretty pissed too i'd probably say something like yo fucking come on let's move it like in the heat of the moment i would and i gotta take that though you're not. You're not getting. Nah. You, you're thinking about getting taken out by a 14 year old at Elm Jack. Like you're getting taken out by Max Muncy. He had he had 30 home runs as a rookie. Like this dude takes people deep. That's what he does. Yeah, but you made a bad pitch and he took you deep. Like you're obviously frustrated about the pitch, about everything that just transpired, and the icing on the cake is him pimping it out. And it's just like, bro, come on. All right. So how about this? How about if Muncy? I'm not mad at Muncy. I'm just you know, if Baumgartner did what he had to do. Without getting tossed, without anything, and it was kind of weird. I don't know if you saw the umpire right away, like kind of told uh, Bumgarner, like, "Yo, chill out." Yeah, you know, because he was he was being ridiculous. Like, yo, what if Muncy had in that same exact scenario struck out? It would have been nothing, honestly, because it was so early in the game. Right, but if he, all right, right, but if he would have been mad in that situation, he wouldn't have thrown the bat at Bumgarner or started talking shit to Bumgarner. He would have been mad at himself. And he would have thrown right. the bat and the helmet on the floor. Like, Bumgarner, be mad at yourself. Don't be mad at, mad at Max Muncy, who took you deep. And if you're going to be mad at him, finish the job. Don't be a bitch ass about it. Like, don't, don't, come, don't come around and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fuck you up. And then don't say nothing. You either don't say nothing at all or you do say something and get ready to fight. And those are the only two things because in baseball, there, there hasn't been room traditionally for shit talk without fighting. Like, every, everyone's super, <laughs> super, like thin-skinned in baseball where anything that could happen can cause the benches to clear. Yeah, but there's also a lot of talk in baseball these days, like, and no brawling. As in, like, a lot, like you know, in the 90s, I feel like there, when we were growing up, there was many more brawls. Now it's just like, yeah, everyone get out of the dugout and get their piece in, and then, all right, we'll go back to our dugouts. 
Yeah. So I feel like yeah. it's kind of a soft game now. And I feel like that's like what happens when you got a bunch of multi-millionaires playing. That's true. And I feel like what you said, you, you described Bumgarner as being a hoe. Like I feel like that's just today's way of going about it rather than mm-hmm. benches clearing and punches being thrown. I guess I see your point. Well, Nick, that'll do it for the VM MLB podcast. This was this was a fun one. I had a really good time on this one. Um, where could they find you, bro? bro at Endovito27 on Twitter and the gram. Also, Subway Series is today. Yes, Probably going to get rained out, but you know, me and Tim have exchanged some pleasantries or unpleasant trees about how we feel about our respective teams going into today and tomorrow. Fact. Yo, uh, <laughs> If you want to, I'm, I'm going to Johnny Pretzel's house to, to watch it. You should come through. Nice. I might take you up on that. Okay. We, you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of Mets fans, though, just so you know. It's going to be a, a bunch, bunch of Mets fans and you. <laughs> you have fucking Jason Vargas, who is your best pitcher, sadly, Yo, throwing today. <laughs> for real. I think he, uh, so. Noah Syndergaard, Steven Matz, Zach Wheeler, and uh, – and, um, and Jacob DeGrom have all had solid starts in the past few few weeks, and I think it's because everyone was like, Jason Vargas is better than you guys. They, they, I think they all looked at each other like, yo, we can't <laughs> let this fucking guy who looks like Danny De- DeVito in playing the Penguin in Batman Begins. Like, we can't let him be better than us. Like, chill with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find me at Tim Petrab on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. You can find us at Veterans Minimum as well on all social media outlets. And just another reminder, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. On Patreon, you could see us uh do some great things. Um, I, I lost my train of thought there, so I said do some great things. One of the great things that we could do is give you two episodes extra. You could also join a Discord to talk to all of us. On top of that, you can get a chance to be part of the People's Podcast. It's something that we're going to start doing uh, every month. We already did the first one, second one coming up later in June. Um, and there's way more other things that you can get that I can't think of the top, off the top of my head. Against that is patreon.com slash veterans minimum for as little as $5 a month. You can honestly help support the show as well. The reason why we have expanded into all these new shows, which are well underway now, is because, hey, we can. We got the money. We got the equipment. We could do it, and we can make it happen. So uh, me and Boss, the MLB crew, uh, we hope that you come through and support the show. Also, don't forget to follow at IMPY718 at the Lamb Show and at Joe Sanagato. They are the other members of the VM crew. Uh, we supre- appreciate your support and your listens as always. For Nick, Boss, DeVito, I am Tim Petrop, and we bid you adieu until next time. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24 7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.